Chapter 3 You Have Been Warned God usually forewarns His people of approaching trials and suffering. As Paul had many clear premonitions and forenotices of the sufferings that would fall on him at Jerusalem so that he might not be surprised by them when they came, so it is usual with God, though not in such an immediate and extraordinary a manner to admonish the world, especially His own people, of great trials and sufferings beforehand. Scripture Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but He revealeth His secret unto His servants, the prophets. Amos chapter 3, verse 7. When He was about to bring the flood on the world, He gave 120 years' warning of it before it came. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. And when He was to destroy Sodom, He said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Genesis chapter 18, verse 17. He revealed the same judgment to Lot. Genesis chapter 19, verses 12 through 14. When the captivity of the Jews was near, the people had many forewarnings of it. God forewarned them both ministerially and providentially. He warned them by the prophets. Scripture, Hear the word at my mouth, and give them warning from me. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17. And when the time drew near to execute the judgment determined on Jerusalem and the temple, Christ very plainly foretold them of it. Scripture, Thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee. Luke chapter 19, verses 43-44. When the storm was just ready to fall, their own historian Josephus tells us a voice was heard in the temple saying, Let us leave. Tacitus also mentions this voice in his annals, and affirmed it to be more than a human voice. It told them God was departing, and it was accompanied with a rushing noise as of persons going out. These were extraordinary warnings. Similar signs have been given to several other nations by dreadful eclipses of the heavenly bodies, portentous comets, earthquakes, and other signs of judgment. Now, though we have no ground to expect such extraordinary warnings, we do have the most apparent and certain signs of approaching calamities. If we are surprised after these signs, the fault must lie in our own inexcusable negligence, for we have a standing rule to govern ourselves in this matter. It is this. When the same sins are found in one nation that have brought down the wrath of God on another nation, it is an evident sign of judgment at the door. For God is unchangeable, just, and holy, and will not favor in one people what He has punished in another, nor will He bless in one age what He has cursed in another. It was on this very ground that the Apostle warned the Corinthians by the example of the Israelites whose sins had ruined them in the wilderness. Scripture Now these things were our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6 It was as if he should say, Look on those dead bodies which are, as it were, cast up on the Scripture shore for a warning to you. Do not follow the same course or you will meet the same curse. If you tread the same paths, expect the same punishment. God is as righteous now as He was then. He hates sin and will punish it in you as much as He did in them. So let us consider what those provocations were that hastened the wrath of God on His own Israel, a people that were near and dear to Him, a people on whom He spent as much of the riches of His patience as on any people in the world so that we may reckon where we are this day and what is likely to be the lot of this sinful and provoking generation.
we will find, by the consent of all the prophets, that these sins were the immediate forerunners and proper causes of their overthrow. 1. The great corruption of God's worship among them kindled His wrath and hastened their ruin. They were defiled with their own works, and went a-whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against His people, insomuch that He abhorred His own inheritance. And He gave them into the hand of the heathen, and they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Psalm 106, verses 39-42 Those who will not bear the golden yoke of Christ will be galled with the iron yoke of men. Nothing provokes the anger of God more than the adulterating of His worship. A man will bear a thousand infirmities in his beloved wife, but unfaithfulness in the marriage covenant breaks his heart. The Lord expresses Himself in the same manner of men who were abused and grieved in this way. I am broken with their whorish heart, which hath departed from me, and with their eyes, which go a-whoring after their idols. Ezekiel chapter 6, verse 9. Men cannot invent a surer and speedier way to their own ruin than to bring their own inventions into God's worship. 2. Incorrigible obstinacy and unrepentance while under God's gentler strokes and lesser judgments make way for utter ruin and desolation. Amos chapter 4, verses 6-12. through 12. Scarcity, mildews, pestilence, and sword had been tried on them, but without effect. The remnant that escaped those judgments, although plucked as so many brands out of the fire in which their fellow sinners perished, were not reformed by those gentler and moderated judgments. 3. Stupidity and inability to recognize God's hand and the tokens of His anger were provoking causes and forerunners of their national desolation. They neither saw the hand of God when it was lifted up, nor humbled themselves under it when it was laid on. The hand of God is said to be lifted up when the providences of God prepare and posture themselves for our affliction. The clouds of judgment gathered over their heads and grew blacker and blacker, as they do on us at this day, but they took no notice of it. Lord, when thy hand is lifted up, they will not see. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 11. And demonstrating the height of stupidity, they all remained senseless and careless when the hand of God was laid on them. Scripture who gave Jacob for a spoil and Israel to the robbers? Did not the Lord, he against whom we have sinned? For they would not walk in his ways, neither were they obedient unto his law. Therefore he hath poured upon him the fury of his anger and the strength of battle. And it hath set him on fire round about, yet he knew not. And it burned him, yet he laid it not to heart. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 24-25 through 25. Oh, what monstrous stupidity! It was not some small drop of God's anger, but the fury of His anger. It was not some lighter skirmish of His judgments with them, but the strength of battle. It was not some particular stroke on single persons or families, but it set Him on fire round about. It was a widespread conflagration, yet all this did not awaken them. 4. The persecution of God's faithful ministers and people was another sin that secured and a sign that foretold the destruction of their nation. Scripture And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, and despised his words, and misused his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, 
till there was no remedy. 2 Chronicles chapter 36 verses 15 through 16. There were also a number of upright souls among them who desired to worship God according to his own prescription. But the people laid a snare for them in Mizpah, and spread a net for them on Tabor. Hosea chapter 5 verse 1. And this hastened judgment toward them. Mizpah and Tabor were places lying in the way between Samaria and Jerusalem, where the true worship of God was. In those places the priests set spies to observe and inform against those traveling to worship in Jerusalem, so that it became very dangerous to attend the pure and incorrupt worship of God. This quickly hastened their ruin. 5. The death of godly and useful men in more urgency than ordinary was a sign to them of desolation at hand. Scripture. The righteous perisheth, and no man layeth it to heart, and merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 1. In this case, God acts toward his people as the farmer in a harvest does by his corn as he hurries it in with shuffling haste into the barn when he sees a storm coming, or as a careful father with his sons that are abroad at school who sends his horses to fetch them home speedily when he hears the plague has begun in that place. It was on this ground that the prophet Micah laments for himself. Scripture, Woe is me, for I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits, as the grape gleanings of the vintage. There is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe fruit. Micah chapter 7 verse 1. What miserable days are at hand! What miseries must I expect to see? The pleasant clusters, the societies of the saints, are gathered away by the hand of death. There are only a few that remained, here and there a single saint, like grapes after the vintage is done, two or three on the distant branches. 6. The general decay of the life and power of godliness among them that were left foretold destruction at the door. This is both a provoking sin and a forerunning sign of national calamity. Their drink is sour. Hosea chapter 4, verse 18. This metaphor is a lively expression of the deadness and formality of the people in the worship of God. It was like sour or dead drink that has lost its spirit and relish and has become flat. This is how their duties were. There was no spiritual life, affection, or delight in them. They heard as if they heard not, and prayed as if they prayed not. The ordinances of God were to them as the ordinances of men, of which the apostle says that they perish with the using. Colossians chapter 2 verse 22. 7. Mutual animosities, disputes, and divisions were to them manifest symptoms of national calamities and desolations. Ephraim envied Judah, and Judah vexed Ephraim. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 13. Scripture. The days of visitation are come. The days of recompense are come. Israel shall know it. The prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is mad. For the multitude of thine iniquity and the great hatred. Hosea chapter 9, verse 7. When such symptoms of God's indignation appear on any people, the Lord, by them as by so many glaring meteors and blazing comets, forewarns the world that his judgments are near, even at the door. All people ought to observe these signs and view them with trembling. If you ask, why does God usually give such warnings of His indignation before it comes? The reasons are to prevent the execution of the judgments, to make them more tolerable 
and to leave the incorrigible without excuse. 1. Warning is given with the design to prevent the carrying out of the judgments. Scripture Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Amos chapter 4, verse 12. That is, prepare yourself to meet me in the way of my judgments by humiliation and intercession to prevent their execution. What else was the design of God in sending Jonah to the great city of Nineveh but to excite them to repentance for the prevention of their ruin? Jonah knew this to be the Lord's meaning, no matter how the words of his commission sounded. Therefore, he declined the message to secure his credit. He knew that if he gave the warning and the Ninevites repented, the gracious nature of God would soon melt into compassion over them, and free grace would make him appear a liar. For so we must interpret his words. Scripture. Was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. Yes, Lord, I knew beforehand that it would come to this. You send me to announce your judgments to Nineveh, but in the meantime you desire nothing more than that the execution of them might be prevented by their repentance. And so your mercy has endangered my reputation in saving them from destruction. 2. God forewarns His people of judgments to make them more tolerable when they do come. Expected evils are not as heavy as those that come by surprise. As the expectation of a mercy makes it less sweet, our thoughts having anticipated and sucked out much of the sweetness beforehand, so the expectation of judgments before they fall on us make them less bitter and burdensome than otherwise they would be. The expectant soul has inured and accustomed itself to them by frequent thoughts and prepared and made ready itself to entertain them as Paul did in my text. To prevent the disciples' surprise and offense at those days of persecution that were coming on them, Christ foretold them and gave them fair warning beforehand. John chapter 16, verse 4. 3. God forewarns His people of approaching dangers to leave the incorrigible wholly inexcusable so that those who have no sense of sin nor care to prevent ruin might have no cloak for their folly when judgments overtake them. What wilt thou say when He shall punish thee? Jeremiah chapter 13, verses 21 through 22. It is as if God says, What plea or apology is left for you after so many fair warnings and timely premonitions? You cannot say, I have surprised you, or that you were ruined before you were warned. Your destruction was caused by yourself.